your co-host Kenny Buller. Welcome on the second floor podcast. We would have dreamt of something like this, and here it is. What is going on, second floor podcast? We are here with our co-host Cassius and Kenny Buller. And today we got a longtime friend, somebody who I've been uh, been able to get in the gym with back in the day, who I've seen grow into an amazing person and stand for something that most people will not stand for in nowadays. Uh, Kaylor Betts in the building. Happy to have you here. What's up, Karam? I I remember when you taught me how to say your name, you were just like, just think of Crumb. <laughs> <laughs> so I always, I still have to think about that to this day because I'm so bad with names. But what's up, boys? I'm excited to be here. Let's do this. Appreciate you coming on, man. Man, what's this going is on? crazy. You know what? Like, I feel like right now, I don't know how many podcasts, Kayla, you've possibly been on after the fact that, you know, I like to call it your rise to fame. <laughs> like that, that's how people will look at it. But more so like, man, just kudos to you for, for building uh, your tribe. You know, yeah. I feel like anyone out there where I'm able to see from the outside in who's built an audience, built a following, that's organic, that's real. Like it, it's something that's worth noting. Well, it's pretty cool, man. Uh, all I had to do is be myself unapologetically and uh i've lost a lot of people but you mentioned the word tribe i've really found my tribe and kudos to you guys for being willing to have me here because you know um i think i'm maybe i could label myself as a controversial character at this point and probably gonna say some controversial things uh so yeah thanks for having me of course man anytime i uh want to kind of pick your brain something that we all felt would be relative to having you is the whole uh, Tucker Carlson situation. Um, for those that live under a rock and don't know, uh, Tucker Carlson was a, a Fox News reporter who pretty much got exiled, like full on, you know, he's speaking his truth to your point. And a lot of people nowadays, including news publications, are, are not fans of that. And with what he chose to say many times on air has um, led to him getting fired. And here he was just recently in Alberta, in Edmonton and Calgary, um, you know, involved with politics. And that was something that you, you went to. So, like, I, I'm curious to know for, for, from a personal note for you, like, what made you go to that? And like, what's your relationship with um, Tucker Carlson in general? Yeah, I would say curiosity. Um, I honestly didn't know what to expect. Uh, he's obviously a polarizing individual. And I think one thing that's worth pointing out is... Um, I don't know anyone that I follow or listen to. I listen to Tucker Carlson. I think he's a great interviewer. I think that he has a great message. I think he also points out things that people are not awake to that are really important in our society. But um, one thing I want to acknowledge is I don't agree with everything that anyone I look up to. Like I love everyone from Alex Hormozzi's like a god to me to Jordan Peterson to I listen to Sam Harris, I listen to Bill Maher, right? All, all different perspectives on different and, and varying degrees of the political spectrum. And Tucker is obviously like through and through a conservative, but I don't agree with everything that he says, but I can still hold that space of uh, appreciating his message, appreciating his presence and his role that he plays in just the world and mostly the u.s political climate but him coming to canada i was kind of confused i was like what is his mo here 
And that's what I was really curious about. I was curious about so many things. What would he say? What energy would he bring? And then the crowd, what would the crowd be like? And I think the most fascinating thing was the crowd. I was really curious. Like I was like, is it going to be like a mix of old and young? Is it just going to be mostly old? Is it going to be mostly young? Uh, is it going to be like the like raw, raw, like, I mean, I'm just going to say it redneck kind of Albertan, like conservative types. Or was it going to be more of like the white collared, like button up type conservatives? And look, man, here's what I thought was really cool about it. When I walked in there, there was a stadium full of 10,000 people to come see a, uh, a an evening of commentary on global affairs. And I just remember thinking like pre-COVID, this would never have happened. And what I really loved about it is there wasn't too many kooks. Okay. <laughs> we all know what a kook is, right? Like just someone who's like an extremist, like just don't get me wrong. There were some, but what I really liked is I found it to be a very level headed crowd who was respectful, who was there to learn, who were curious. And I just think it's so cool that we have that many people in Edmonton and Alberta, cause he went to Calgary who care that much about a commentary in global affairs and to see a political figure like that. Danielle Smith went up there. Jordan Peterson was a surprise. And I, I just thought it was honestly really cool. And genuinely, it instilled a lot of patriotism actually in me that I was kind of slipping away from beforehand. That's cool, man. Because I mean, like when you think about it, people aren't there to be like, yeah, Tucker Carlson, let's go for a night to laugh. Like it's not comedy. Like you, you but, saying but they're there was, to learn. Though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's actually very funny and entertaining. Cool. So it was, we, we laughed. That, that, that's the one thing that I really like about Tucker is like he's able to get his message out in a very comedic fashion. And from the clips that I saw, he was even talking about how he trolls some of the, the hotel uh, lobby lobbyists yeah. to be like um, just mispronouncing the name as a joke, right? Or like saying, oh, it's like um, as if there'd be like snow dogs up front that would come in and it was an old age. Like, oh, you guys don't have snow dogs coming up front? And people would take it so literally. But even his giggle <laughs> oh, when so he funny, laughs, man. It, it it makes me laugh. Theo Vaughn picked that apart too. It's so funny. He's like, I just love your laugh, yeah. man. You sound like an old granny when you laugh. <laughs> Here's the thing too. I know you guys feel it. There's so much divisiveness, so much polarization in terms of just the political climate, social issues. And I find, and this is why on my Instagram now I actually do a little bit of comedy is because if we can find some comedic relief among all of the divisiveness and the the temperature that is so raised... I think that's a win. And I think that's what Carl, uh, Tucker Carlson does is he doesn't take himself too seriously. He has great, strong messaging. I don't think he goes super deep. He's not a huge intellectual. He's not a, a he's not a solutions based guy, but I think he plays a, an important part in that he does have strong messages, but he also like finds a way to make people laugh in the meantime. Yeah. It's really interesting how like being funny is an excuse to say whatever you like and, right. and not get too much hate for it. Right, like look in the public eye, like the Joe Rogans, the Theo Vaughns, the, the the comedians that are now kind of building like their own audience through podcasts. Like they they can speak their mind. They are the biggest arbiters of free speech right now. Mm -hmm. They really are. I didn't even need to be comedian. 
Like, was, I think I'm getting up long. on stage and do it. Actually, it's one thing I've always wanted to do. But look, man, I went to Austin uh, not too long ago. I went to uh, Joe Rogan uh, and Friends, not at the Mothership, his new one, but at the Vulcan, which he used to do. And bro, phones were away. And they said everything. Like, they, they, it was so unapologetic. They went everywhere. Like, they said the words that you're not supposed to say anymore. And it was really cool, man. There was next to the stage, there was a dude essentially in a dress right next to the stage and i thought okay nowadays when you get nine comedians like you're gonna get a bunch of trans jokes and everything like that i'm like this is gonna be interesting <laughs> and it was on brand for austin austin is actually pretty progressive in the core uh downtown area and what i thought was so beautiful is there was jokes about everyone they were making fun of themselves they were making fun of the right the left they were making trans jokes or whatever and the most beautiful thing was this fucking guy in a dress was killing himself laughing the entire time. And I'm like, the world needs more of that. Yeah, like, people <laughs> just need to, like, yeah. wear whatever the fuck they want to wear. And yeah. then if they're getting made fun of, like, laugh with them. I yeah, think so, you know? I, I think, like, people have, like, like it's a cancel culture society. Yes. Where it's like, you say anything that might might trigger you, you could go, it can go one of two ways. But I think that's one of the biggest things that's missing is, like, you can't, I can't, freely say something that i would say as a joke to you because you might take it offensively and if you take it offensively it's gonna have repercussions on me in this day and age do you guys know vivek ramaswamy oh yeah we know <laughs> vivek ramaswamy Bro, we know vivek so i love vivek so to your point um the babylon b you guys know babylon b they made a joke that uh now that vivek is now out of the presidential race uh now he can work at the white house 7-eleven right <laughs> and Holy. that is savage it's a savage <laughs> joke wow. i i thought it was funny personally was it savage absolutely but what i think is the biggest takeaway is vivek's response he actually did an interview with the babylon b right after and how do you think he responded i think he probably thought it was funny like, he, he probably was laughed with him. yeah and, and he actually played along with it and he said and look Look, let's even get to a point where let's say he was triggered and offended. I think what Vivek might do is he might say, you know what? This is mine to deal with. Why am I so offended about someone that I don't even really care about in their opinion? But not only that, if you actually want progression, in my opinion, and I know this is easy for a white privileged male, straight male to say, but in my opinion, it's to actually not take it personally. And if you do, I think that actually creates more divisiveness, less progressiveness. And if you look at someone like Taylor Swift at the Academy Awards or whatever the fuck award show it was, she was getting ripped on by the comedian and she was beat red, stone cold. And I'm like, Taylor, I just think it would be easier for you and better for just everything that is occurring in that situation for you to just laugh and show people you don't take yourself that seriously. That's so true. That's like the whole Will Smith and Chris Rock situation as well. Yes. Right? Like, it's yes. like sometimes it's like, yo, like, you know, someone's just hurting a little bit too much and then that just becomes a cherry on top. Right? And I mean, I want to know, this is maybe a little bit of an aside, but like, what do you think for you, Kayla, when people are listening to this and they're going to want to know and hear like your thoughts and perspectives in this long form content manner? Like, what do you think is something that you feel like people have misunderstood you on? You know, like, especially... In this day and age, I notice you'll put a minute 
of something you say out there. And people will judge your character, who you are, how you behave based off that one opinion you have. And I love how I think it was said on air, like you have all these people you listen to. You don't agree with everything they say. I think it's I think it's even with like my two best friends sitting here. On air, I'll go look at Krav and be like, man, we ain't agree on this. But he's still someone that like is really close to me in my life. So for you, I'm sure with you dealing with like sometimes scrutiny and hate, people like, I can't believe Kato Betts said that. I hate him. What a loser. And it's like, like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I see it every day in my comments. I get pushback from, I've gotten pushback from family members that I share the Christmas dinner table with. I've uh, People who don't want to even uh, associate with me, I have lost friend groups not just a friend group. I've lost friend groups of people that will not even associate with me. I get it in public. I get a lot of bad looks. I get, I've had a university professors, uh, one from the university of Calgary, write a dissertation on how I'm basically a narcissist and how I use my social media to project my narcissism. I've had like the, the, the list goes on. I've had death threats that we've had to report to the police. I, the list goes on. And it's been one of the most healing things that I have ever experienced in my life. But it is the Andrew Tate effect. When you just go on Instagram or TikTok and you just listen to Andrew Tate's eight second clips, 13 second clips, it's easy to jump to conclusions because it's missing the long form context of the conversation. When you actually, when I took the time to finally be like, hey, everyone's talking about this Andrew Tate guy, I got to look into him. So I looked into him and you actually listen to him in a long form conversation. I'm like, damn, he has a totally different, seemingly it's the same, but it's just they took little clips that are missing context and he has a totally different message. I, I feel like I understand him now. I don't agree with everything he says, but most of it I do agree with. And I'm like, damn, like it's so easy to just take a 30 second minute clip without all the context, without diving deeper, uh, and then just jump to conclusions of who this person is. And I think that's what's happened to me, obviously on a smaller scale than Andrew, Andrew Tate. Um, but one of the things that I think has been the most healing for me is I am proud to say that literally not once when someone throws shade at me or says I'm a horrible person or calls me a clown or whatever it is, and I l genuinely see it every day, I've lost clients over it, clients who are just like, I can't work with you anymore. I don't feel safe because you have an opinion on X. I think the most pr um, proud thing and what has been most healing for me, and I haven't been perfect by any means, I have never negatively projected towards them. They go low, I go high. And for me, that's been so healing because I just look at if I get upset at someone throwing shade or hating on me, I just know that's mine to deal with. I know that if you live in this world and you live with the weight of what other people think of you, you will never be successful. You will never win because wherever you point your finger, you're pointing the blame and you're giving your power to that person. So if I were to say, oh, this university professor who wrote a dissertation on me, if I sit around and complain about it and I get sad about it and I get angry about it and I talk about it publicly, I'm literally giving him my power over my inner peace. And I just say, fuck that. Like, you can think whatever the hell you want about me. You can judge me, criticize me, shame me, abandon me, and reject me. And I'm just going to keep doing my thing. And it's been one of the most powerful things to help me win uh, internally and then therefore externally. So how do you, Kayla, how do you get to that point? I mean, personally for you, I mean, I've seen your journey since I've met you. And, and, and obviously, Karam uh, has known you for a long time from a point of not really being 
I guess, quote unquote, well known to having viral videos and having a fan base, but as, as well having the other side, as you just discussed. So I'm curious to know within that journey, and like you said, it's, it was a healing process. How do you get to that point? Because I know a lot of individuals are afraid to, um, you know, put their opinion out there or believe in something or um, even it just as a as a side note is like, you know, starting something, right? Oh, what it, what are people going to say? How are people going to react if I pivot or uh, yeah. rebrand myself or re re-identify myself or, with something? Or put out my rhymes on on Instagram. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to know on your end how you got to a point where, you know, these things don't quote unquote phase you. Um, and, and maybe some uh, maybe some advice for for those who are trying to trying to get to a point like that. Okay, can we get vulnerable here? What is your guys's just one? It could be your greatest, or it could just be one. What is a fear of yours? Just name any fear, anything from heights to claustrophobia to whatever. Heights for sure. Heights. Okay. I was gonna say heights, but a different one is like just like disappointing my loved ones in terms of like not being able to do what they feel like mm. I, i'm capable of being able to do or even what i'm capable of being able to do i'd say imperfection imperfection okay so there's something called exposure therapy which essentially is they use it in therapy and it's it's um conducive to how we're wired we are wired to if we expose ourselves with tolerable steps okay starting with low risk opportunities to expose ourselves to a certain fear. So let's take Omid's um, heights. Uh, I'm also afraid of heights. If we were to do exposure therapy and we wanted to commit to the next 90 days, we need to significantly reduce your fear of heights. You know, with exposure therapy, what we would do is we would just expose you little by little, like tolerable steps, right? So we would just like walk to a ledge. We would find a ledge and we'd just walk close to there. And then the next day we'd walk a little closer. Then the next day you'd actually look down. And then then maybe we'd go to Toronto and go on the glass floor of the CN Tower. And then maybe we'd go to Banff and go up the gondola to, uh, you know, because that's high or a chairlift on a ski hill. And little by little, when you expose yourself to those tolerable steps, what what happens is desensitization you essentially are building your capacity to be with that fear by exposing yourself little by little by little and then you just essentially are showing your nervous system and your psychology that you're safe to experience these things so dude when i put out that enough is enough video and it went wild and i got all the hate and even people that i love were telling me how you know horrible my message was and everything like that that was exposure therapy now it wasn't much of a tolerable step i didn't eat or sleep for like a week it's straight and then i kind of and it brought me to my knees but then i just got more and more and more of it and every time it would hurt it would activate my nervous system my heart rate would go a little higher it's taken me like two and a half almost three years to really get to that place and it's like a superpower man if you can handle rejection and judgment and criticism from people around you and you can, and you actually are able to prioritize truth as opposed to, or no, put it this way. I am more afraid of the consequences of living and going down the path of lies than I am for the consequences of speaking the truth, right? And that's a superpower. I think a lot of people now heard kind of like, of course, the negative repercussions of what happens, but like, man, tell us some of the good. Like, what are some of the moments in the past two and a half, three years, Kayla, where you realize like, wow, like doing this really changed my life. 
like 180 degree. Here's how it helped me personally. Here's how it helped me perhaps in business and financially. Like by you speaking more of your truth and things that matter to you instead of being like, oh, I think my audience will like this. It's like more so you're going, I like this. I care about this. This is my truth. So like what what good happened out of that? Man? Well, the the biggest good was I can't tell you how liberating it is to just be able to even come on here. I'm not going to lie. Omid, you interviewed me the first time I was ever on the second floor. I was not fully saying what I believe to my core to be the truth because I felt so unsafe to even express it. Now, I'm not saying I was just like lying, right? But I wasn't just be, I wasn't able to relax and just be myself. I was saying what I thought would please all the people around me. I was saying what I thought was convenient for all the people around me and would get the, the clicks and the likes and, and would also make you happy. Right, because I didn't want to make you uncomfortable. And now, fast forward, how many years later? Two and a half, maybe yeah. three. Um, dude, I feel like I can say whatever I want here. And um, dude, that is that's liberating, man. So that that is the best thing that's happened to me. And people always say like you're so courageous for speaking the truth. I've even got, and I wouldn't proclaim this whatsoever, but I've even had people come up to me and say like you're a hero for what you said over COVID and stuff. No, 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 man. My grandpa's a fucking hero. My grandpa got conscripted to the army in World War II, had to jump out of a plane as a paratrooper onto the beach of Normandy and got shot in the uh, knee with a grenade shrapnel while he left his family, while his family was back at home wondering if he would even come back home. That's a fucking hero. I'm a hero for just going on Instagram and saying what I believe to be the truth? No. I think that it is literally not just necessary it is our duty as humans and i also think that you're not giving yourself a fighting chance to live your highest quality of life if you can't even express what you believe to be the truth you know how many people come up to me and they're like man i love your instagram stuff but i can't say it man like i you know i might get fired and i might well then you probably should get fired one of my favorite quotes is that in which can be destroyed by the truth should be right so to me that's the best part and then just secondly, really quickly, business-wise, I didn't know this was coming. It's the best thing for business ever, right? We have this idea in our head that like if we piss people off, oh my God, then people aren't going to buy from us. No, it's the opposite. <laughs> if you're not talking about things that piss people off, you are genuinely trying to speak to everyone. And we know the old adage, you're speaking to no one. And here's the thing. Grant Cardone said something I love. He says, you know what? If I can get half the country to hate me, maybe I can become president in the United States. So it's been the best thing for business. And I that was unexpected. You know, it's, it's interesting when you talk, because I... I kind of see the change as well since our since our podcast too, right? Um, and and you brought on a good point is that it's it's liberating, right? But you have individuals who, um, well, you have a lot of people actually um, who uh, can't speak their mind, can't say things. It's like you you are at a, po a, posi a position of power, and you have people that are in your pockets or have power over you based on they've given you money or they've given you XYZ. And now you feel, even you might feel the complete opposite, but you might go on stage and say the complete opposite yeah. because you are. And I would call you a coward yeah. if you do that. And, sure. and, and I actually say that with not a lot of shame or judgment, even though it sounds very judgmental. I just, I get it. But at the end of the day, again, you're not giving yourself a fighting chance to live your highest quality life if you're not able to just say what you believe and it will weigh on you. And that shit's getting repressed and it comes up in bad ways. Picking up the bottle, 
yelling at your wife one day, punching a hole through the wall, like whatever it is, it will come up. But we also got to look at there's people who are just a lawyer and they feel like they can't speak out because they don't want to lose their job at the law firm. For and sure. it's like my argument to that would be, I get it. I can only imagine how difficult that would be. But if you're going to get fired for speaking the truth, I think that you can't lose anything that wasn't aligned in the first place. And I think you should lose that job. And then guess what? It'll throw you in a position where you're like, I need to do something. And you'll probably start your own fucking law firm. Right. Yeah, I, th I think on the on the flip side, it's like if you're so far in it in the in the sense that I got to be politically correct and stay in my line, you actually never see who's on the other side of the door who's going to vouch for you and be there for you equally. 100%. And unless you get past the coward phase of having that way over you, I think the other side is uh, completely more liberating and more exciting to be a part of because now you actually you're still fighting just as hard but now you're fighting with the right teammates. I think, uh, sorry, I wanted to add to this, yeah. uh, unless you want to add something. I just want to say Jordan Peterson's also a good example. He's right now at risk of losing his, uh, essentially, I'm going to just paraphrase, but it's like his psychology, psychology degree mm -hmm. in, in Canada, the the board of the organization. That, That's still happening. Eh? Yeah, it's still happening. It's getting like really real now. I would argue that it's the Streisand effect. It's like that if you try and cancel someone, it actually just shines more light on them. And I think enough people in society know that if people are getting blocked, canceled, ridiculed, written off, suppressed, they know that it's worth questioning and For worth sure. listening to. Well, I, the way I kind of look at like the world now is there's two groups of people. There's people who are only able to take in short form and their attention spans are so little that they're just going to see what they see and believe in it fully. And then there's another group that's fighting for the other side and saying, you know, this is what's actually going on, good versus bad, in my perspective. And I think the the two sides makes things more controversial and it makes people um, fight for no reason. I think like attention span has gone so bad to the point where you you'll believe things that you've never experienced in your in your in your lifetime or even been able to see firsthand. So it's just it's funny that like guys like tate guys like tucker like for example tucker when i first saw him on fox i used to be so anti-establishment because i'm like the news i've seen enough of the news and enough of the news where i don't believe in it and when i saw tucker on fox i was like well, why is this guy interviewing andrew right or like why is this guy speaking out like this guy's and i remember even thinking to myself this guy's gonna get fucking fired if he if he stays at this rate this guy's getting fired for sure and it, it made me, he was the first guy that made me realize, I'm like, okay, maybe there are some good reporters out in the in the mainstream media. I wanted to, uh, I know this is kind of switching topics, but, or sort of, but I want to know from your end, Kaylor, what you think of celebrities having to talk about stuff uh, in the sense of like, okay, you have a platform, you're this big famous person and, um, and, 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 people expect you to have an opinion on everything, especially current. You might not know what's happening, but they expect you to have a response, a opinion. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think celebrities need to voice their opinion on everything, even if they aren't in tune with it? Look, I, I think that I, number one, I'm a freedom guy and freedom of speech is like number one. So I actually try to not criticize, even though a lot of people in my camp 
not to sound tribal, but uh, often criticize the Hollywood elite for like what they say. But for me, I try and refrain from that because it's like, I, I don't, I don't need you to think like me or speak like me. I just want you to think and speak, right? So like, for me, I want to defend that. What I think I struggle with is when like, um, when people are uneducated and in Hollywood and they go out and they speak about a certain issue. So like, you'll notice there's certain issues I don't talk about. I don't talk about the Israel-Palestine thing yet. Maybe one day I will. But there's two things missing from that. Number one, I can't see a direct way in which I can actually help that situation. And number two, I'm trying to find trusted sources. I'm trying to get the right information. And I'm trying to learn about the nuance of that of that 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 whole situation because I didn't know much of about it before. So I'm educating myself. And you don't have to have an opinion on everything. Yeah. You don't have to speak out about everything. And the other thing too is especially when you're uneducated. I think one of my strengths is I know where I'm educated in. And even with the COVID stuff, even though I'm not a doctor, if you really listen to my stuff, I don't think I go outside of my scope of what just an average layman, common sense dude can speak out about because I don't think you need to have, be a doctor to have an opinion on some of the things I talk about with COVID. Um, and I, so to bring this full circle, I struggle when you get like, a celebrity go up there and try and talk about how we should be eating less meat because it's better for the environment. And you can totally tell that they actually are so incredibly uneducated That's a about that topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm saying this for my quick 20,000 paycheck. And <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't know anything about it. But, but yeah, like the reason I brought this up is because like, for example, LeBron uh, posted a, uh, his, his team posted a PR statement about the Israel Gaza thing. Does a guy like LeBron need to put out a PR statement? Look, I think it's about, again, I will defend LeBron's ability like I'll defend your ability to disagree with me and, and for me to disagree with you and for you to speak. So I'm not going to like say LeBron shouldn't be able to speak about these things. But what I will say is the subject matter, like, dude, do you know how much shit, like, do you remember when the train in, in Ohio went, uh, off the rails and like spilled all that fucking, all those chemicals? What, what was the place Did any of you know, the actual name of the, the city, it wasn't far from where he's originally from. And we actually had a client that lives uh, near there in Columbus, Ohio. And dude, this these chemicals were getting into the water. The, the, it was in the air. Like it was a dangerous situation. And it was very close to, what is it, Akron? Where, Akron, yeah. Where LeBron is. And the establishment wasn't doing anything about it. Like Biden didn't even like go there. It was like a, a major, and the fact that you guys don't really know about it just attest to how little media coverage it got but yet how profoundly negative of an effect it had on the area in which lebron is from or right by where he's from and he's silent on stuff like that but yet what he'll do is he'll choose the hot button topic in the news of something happening halfway across the world that he probably can't even name the geography properly of what's going on in that area of Israel, Palestine. And yet he's putting out a, a statement about that. It's like, bro, with that kind of stuff, like if you're going to speak out about something, make sure number one, it's going to do something because what the fuck is LeBron saying something about Israel, Palestine going to do right? Number one. And 
are you educated on that? Have you really taken the time to like go deep in that situation? And who are you getting your information from? Right? Because that's what I'm struggling with, right? Like everyone's saying different things, right? So dude, I think in that case, my opinion is, yeah, stay in your lane and, and talk about the things that, what about, you know, you're sending $50 billion to Ukraine and you say you care about systemic racism in, in, in the United States. Why aren't you talking about them taking some of those billions of dollars and putting them into the projects of Baltimore or the projects uh, in L.A. or in Houston or Detroit? Like, This is why I'm sure you probably really admire Vivek because we were talking about a lot of this stuff even on past episodes where it's like, you should, in a way, look at supporting your own country before you support another one. And he was very um, just pro-United States. He's like, I think we have so many issues going on that before I look at fixing anything going on in the world, I have to fix my country. And, yeah, we were talking about that, and I agree with you, man. Like, there's just like there's just so much of that that just makes you kind of question, is this person saying it because they have to or because they want to? Yeah, exactly, especially at a level of a LeBron type figure. You know what I mean? I think that's very interesting that it was just like a PR statement. And then he didn't post anything about it afterwards, but man, I was looking through the comments, bro. And it was like, dude, you were reading a Malcolm X book yeah. like the week before yeah. and Malcolm 100%. X was Muslim yeah. and he's, and, and, and anyway, I'm not going to get into that, but it was just interesting to me. We're talking about power influence, uh, stating your opinion, liberating and all liberation, and all that. It's just interesting to me when, celebrities will 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 get a pr statement and just post it and it's just like interesting is that you is that is that actually your opinion is that your belief or is there behind the scenes you're getting you're getting stringed along and it's like here you need to post this because we need to we need to say something about it what well, one thing i i think the bullshit test is lebron's been in the game for long enough and has spoken out about enough issues it's like when have you ever said something that's inconvenient for your agenda of sponsors the establishment the left and the progressive which like you know he aligns with like when show me that you have the balls to speak out about something that actually doesn't further your agenda in that regard you know and i don't i can't recall one thing where he said anything that's not like exactly what people want to hear so it sounds like like you're mad about that like you don't like that lebron well i need to taken, see the statement i don't even know what yeah. he said yeah but i just think it's like bro like just like with the Vivek thing, like speak about issues that you can genuinely like do something with. And you're in a country that's fucking falling apart in many ways. And you never, and you say that you care about systemic racism and the black, then look at all the money that we're sending over to, to Ukraine, for example, and not that Ukraine shouldn't get any support or money or whatever, but like, dude, this is happening right in your backyard or the train derailment that happened with all the chemicals. It was right by Akron. Like, where are you speaking on those things, right? That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, that's facts, man. I'm I'm more drawn to those people that say something controversial, and I know it's true true to them. And that's a great point that you brought up. Like when I haven't Kyrie seen... Irving, sorry exactly. to interject. When Kyrie Irving or uh, Novak Djokovic, is that how you pronounce his last name, Djokovic? Jokic, yeah. Jokic? Yeah. Okay, I always say it wrong. Bro, you butchered his name so wrong. I can't even remember what his name is anymore. <laughs> I, I, I know that. I know. I was just testing you, boys. Um, is it Jalapeno? Nikola, Nikola, Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic. Nikola, yeah, yeah. Whatever his name is, man. Or who's the quarterback? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, look, sure. 
people might say, well, you like them because they came out and stood up against COVID and blah, blah, blah. It hasn't all been about COVID. Like Kyrie Irving is, you know, defended Kanye. I'm pretty sure he's come out as a flat earther. Like, I don't believe the earth is flat. I think there's some interesting arguments there and questions. But I know that when Kyrie Irving says something, that it's what he actually believes to his core. And he's not just trying to pander and cater and please his audience and the establishment. I know and I can trust that they're actually saying what they believe to their core to be the truth. And you know, like even to look at how high of a level he's at, he's he's lost the Nike shoe deal, uh, shoe shoe deal, and things and gone trade from the Brooklyn Nets. I remember when I can't remember what exactly what it was that he said, but they gave him a list of different things that he had to to do in order to get back onto the court. And he said, and he "Fuck said, that, Fuck you. yeah, I'm yeah, not doing I that love shit." That, and I think guys like him just standing for what he wants to stand if he has something to say about palestine and israel i will more likely listen to him and his opinion because i i know it's true to him you know he goes down rabbit holes he does (laughs) yeah you know he actually like whether he's right or wrong i don't think he's right on everything that's for sure but i i can again going back to the quote that in which can be destroyed by the truth should be so if you lose money if you lose uh credibility if you lose deals sponsorships for the truth you should you should and i would argue like maybe it's not as much in mainstream media but i would argue the people who were loyal to him like for example i've always worn nike i play a lot of basketball so i'm actually to the point where just because i saw how he was treated it's very hard for me to buy anything nike 100%. i like they they've they switched from kyrie irving who stood stood up for something to john morant who had a gun and signed him on instantly and he's getting his first signature shoe line the same time Kyrie's exiting that's insane man or how many like yeah how many of the like domestic violence things or like people who beat up people or drunk driving or whatever they don't say anything about that stuff but as soon as you don't believe the world is round fuck that's crazy or don't want to put in an experimental pharmaceutical in your body and just say i don't think i need it like can you just let me do my thing oh no that's a write-off sorry we have to cancel you you can't play and that the crazy part in when the co uh like everybody needed to be vaccinated he wasn't the only guy in the league who wasn't vaccinated but he was the only guy publicly stating and trying to defend for those guys and that's why he got the worst end of a lot of those athletes didn't want to get vaccinated a lot of them i think faked it bought fake cards or whatever patrick kane from the oilers got caught with a fake vaccine card like man athletes don't want to pump themselves full of anything that might have an effect on like they know they're not the ones dying of covid like let's be real i can't wait to know your opinion on this i'm gonna try and do my best to make this very general so you're not aware of what i think about it not that I know that that's going to change your opinion, right? That would completely go against <laughs> everything we've talked about. But we're about to bring a, a, a vegan in here, actually. <laughs> yeah. We're about to bring a vegan in. Those, <laughs> those jokes. Uh, Trudeau's coming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, would, dude, I would love that. I would fucking love that. That's Christmas morning. Before. But like, so here's the thing. So CTV recently reported this, and there's a lot of talks around how much money an Albertan um, needs or even anyone in Canada needs to, to afford a mortgage. And um, recent stats have shown that in Edmonton, you need around $88,000 a year to afford um, having a mortgage. Like, you need to be approved for making that much money. In Toronto, it's something like 150 plus. In Vancouver, it's like 200000 
So when you look over the the the, the last like let's say 20, 30 years, it's significantly increased to the point where now specifically not just millennials but Gen Zs are going about this in a way where they're like, well, well, we're fucked. Like, 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 no matter how the, the language is, no matter how hard we work, how do we make this possible? You know, especially for, let's just say, postgraduate university students, especially for anyone, let's say, that just goes out of high school and just wants to start their thing, whatever it is, those age 18 to 25 just feel like no matter how hard they work, um, it just won't, like, 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 it just won't happen for them. So, I want to know, like, what's your opinion on this with wherever the world's headed with just the fact that this is the language people are going in with to the point where they're like, oh, let's leave Canada. It's just, it's just not working out for us anymore. What do you think about that? Like when people are kind of approaching it this way, when they're looking at the stats, this is getting reported in the news now. Like it's 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 front and center to your attention. Like, if you were 18 to 25 and you were in the situation, like, how would you handle it? But more so now that you've kind of lived through life. And I, I think this is so important to ask someone like you because I want people to know. To me, you're someone that is – you're never giving up. That's kind of like I, I feel like your persona. You're out there. You're trying things. Like, man, when I even heard from from Cassius, and I hope how I'm saying this is like – it's true. Like you once wanted to run a gym and, and I care a lot about that because that's, that's where I'm at in life right now. And you tried it. You saw some good, you saw some bad. Okay. At the time, perhaps whatever reasons didn't work. You're like, okay, what's next? I still care about health and fitness. I still care about helping people. Let me try a different angle. But you've constantly are trying things. So without letting my personal opinion get in the way, I want to know, man, like, 18 to 25 year olds listening to this, they're seeing you, they're hearing all oh, the come up, like not being afraid to speak your mind. And then they're also dealing with this economical crisis. If you were in their shoes, like how would you personally handle it? And how would you let it depict your, your story? Look, I think that um, when it comes to, I always say that winning is living your highest quality of life and potential. And I think that um, I often refer to the fundamental principle of stoicism, which is focus on what you can control and let go of what you can't. So I think that if I was 18 to 25 and I was looking at these stats, yeah, it's a sad fucking story. What, what, what a privilege that that is literally the saddest story that you have as 1825 is, oh, I can't afford home ownership. I, I have to go out and find a way to, to do it maybe different than our ancestors or like my previous generations. That's pretty fucking privilege because you look at, you know, you could be born in Palestine, you could be born in North Korea, you could be in Ukraine right now, dying in the ditch fighting for your country. Like, I don't often throw around the word privilege, but like, man, if that's the biggest problem that you have in your life, like, number one, be grateful for that because it could be a lot worse. Number two, look at what you can control. Well, I can vote, right? <clears throat> I think that, I mean, there's a reason why they call it just inflation. Uh, so vote, right? Get the right person in power that's going to uh, make housing prices go lower. But beyond that, just say, yeah, it's a sad story, but what the fuck am I going to do about it? And for me, it's like, man, okay, if they're telling me I need to make $88,000 a year to just, then if I'm 19 years old, 
I'm finding a way to make $88,000 a year. In fact, I'm finding a way to make much more of it because you can point your finger and blame and be a victim. But just like we said before, wherever you're pointing your finger is where you're giving your power away. And if you think that gas prices, inflation, housing prices are the biggest blocks and barriers for you to win, you are living in a delusion and you will never win. So for me, you know how many people are making like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and or a month on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram right now, pick up your fucking phone and every day, instead of sucking on your cherry vape all day long, instead of going, <laughs> in, instead of going out and getting wasted on weekends and there's no shame or judgment, that's what I did. Go on Google, go on YouTube, listen to Gary Vee, listen to Alex Hormozzi, listen to shit like this, pick a pick the brain of a of a, a multimillionaire or someone who's created financial freedom pick their brains and ask them out for coffee do whatever you need to do and be relentless in finding a way to make more than $88,000 a year it is absolutely possible and that would be my message is like yeah okay it's a sad story sad story do what you can control and then like don't have that victim mindset and go out and make it happen Put the cherry vase Let's down. Oh, <laughs> thank you for saying that. Can you? Man. Yeah. Now, thank now, when, you. now you kids come and ask you, bro. It's like, first of all, put that cherry vape down. Yeah. That's the first thing you're going to say. Where's your cherry vape at? Yeah. Pull it out. 100%. Step one. 100%. You know, Step two, do burpees. <laughs> you know, even even like, uh, I think I think most people in today's age, fixed mindset or like growth. growth. And it's, it's crazy. Like it's. As, it, it, when broken down it's kind of like literally that simple is people are like oh this is the price i can't do that with my current but they're never looking at like what can i do more of to get past that point um i don't know how you feel about this but i'm a believer in like the world and the elites slowly trying to make us weaker especially as men give us the vegan food vegan bullshit and slowly implement central-based digital currencies where they can actually track your money. And if you're spending too much on red meat, you know, maybe we had to cut, cut that off for the week because you've had too much of it. And I, th I feel like with AI and how things are kind of moving forward, slowly that universal basic income, kind of like how the COVID checks, the SERP checks were kind of given out, were more so testers to see how, how easily can we have people accept this money and not have the desire to do more to kind of sit in where they're at do you feel like that is kind of what's going on or what do you kind of project in the next uh 10 20 years yeah my biggest fear and if you look at history this is the cycle that always happens there is a it always starts with like a lot of freedom a lot of capitalism a lot of free market you can go you can be the destiny or sorry you can create your own destiny you can hold the keys to your success you go out it's like the American dream type thing. And you can go out and you can create abundance in your life, like financially. And I think what always happens is then there's a wealth gap and then there's people who are lazier and don't go out and do the things that are required. And there's complicated reasons for that. Like, do I, some people are surprised to hear, do I believe there's systemic racism, let's just say in the States and that some people depending on where they live are at a, a huge disadvantage to be able to go out and take advantage of that. Yeah, I do. I think if you live in the projects of Baltimore and you come from a single mom family and you have eight brothers and sisters, it's going to be really fucking hard to even learn the mindset that you need to go out and do those things. So I'm not going to not acknowledge that, but I think most people, especially people listening 
um, have the ability to go out and create that life. What I think is dangerous is there's these trends of progressivism, socialism, collectivism, communism. And what it always is, is it's always for your safety. It's always because like, oh, there's people who are less fortunate and blah, blah, blah. And what it does is it gives you a bait. If you're not in a great position, if you're a minority, not that that means you're not in a great position, but if you're, in a, if you're a minority, like if you're homosexual, if you're a person of color, if you're a woman, if you're less fortunate, you come from poverty, whatever, what they do on, on the left and with progressivism is they give you this bait to say, hey, we're giving you this ideology of all you need to do is say I'm a victim. And that's the reason why I have all my shortcomings and flaws in my life. That's why I'm poor. That's why I don't get the job. That's why I can't climb up the corporate ladder, whatever. That's why I can't be an entrepreneur. And they give you this bait. They give you this story that they can affirm for you and validate and say, that's why you're not where you want to be. And I'll tell you a story that not everyone's going to like, and maybe you guys won't even like, I have no idea. I have one of my best friends in the world is I'm going to leave his name out, but he's black. He, he doesn't like to be called African-American cause he's not, he's black. And he told me a story of how he was sitting with this young black dude. He, he's like, you know, call it around our age. And he was sitting with uh, another young black dude who's basically he's a mentor for. And this younger black dude, which I think was like, he's like 19, 20, 21 ish or whatever. He asked my friend, his mentor, he said, you know, as a black man, and this is in Canada, he says, as a black man, like, what do you do when you feel like you can't climb the corporate ladder? And by the way, my friend is a very successful entrepreneur and he came from nothing and he immigrated here, came from nothing, came from poverty, to be honest. And he asked my friend, what, do, what should I do as a black man who feels like he can't climb the corporate ladder because of his skin color? And my buddy's response, I'll never forget. And it's easy, you know, for me to like it as a white man, but he said, I built my own ladder. And I was like, damn, that's a, that's a pretty powerful response. And I think why I bring that story up is because to me that exemplifies the mindset that I think you have to have. And like, there is a conversation to be had about whether or not you're at a disadvantage by being a black person climbing the corporate ladder. We could talk about that. That's a totally separate subject. But then the next question becomes, what are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? What's in your control? And what my buddy did is he just said, I don't want to get into the corporate game because of that reason. So I went out and I built my own ladder. Like on a lot of these topics, I'm glad it kind of got brought back to this. It's reminded me of how, like, even in my own journey in like trying to climb something, I felt like I was putting so much energy and just trying to impress the higher ups. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with, okay, well, am I exceeding and meeting expectations? Are those expectations though, ones I'm creating for myself or it's, it's, it's the uh, agenda of, of making others more money. And don't get me wrong. I will still tell younger people, like, if you're still trying to figure out what it is you want to do, and here we are with this issue of needing to make $88,000 and you're making, you're working two, three jobs, and that's just your current state, then keep doing that. But don't do that at a cost of feeling like you're not still figuring out who you are and what you fuck with. Because I think what happens for a lot of people is they're in this loop of the, they're so busy just trying to make ends meet that they're not even thinking for themselves like, okay, what about my own decisions?
Like, what, what, what is, what is it that I want to do? And I think, man, I think your friend gave great advice. I think in that perspective, it's like, yeah, wait a second. Like, why am I trying so fucking hard at something where I could spend this energy in, in, in what I want to do and what I want to lead in my own thing. And once you're in that position where you know what your own thing is, leave. Yeah, because like, you, you're, you're playing the game from a system that is literally meant for you to lose. The system, the establishment, the, the corporate world, whatever. And I know people are going to be triggered if they work in the corporate environment and they're listening to this. But it is literally made to make you fat, sick, tired, weak, and broke. I'm sorry. It just is. So like you can play in that system and you can say, Kayla, you're an asshole. I can't believe you're saying that. Cool. Like, let me know how it works out for you. Uh, genuinely. I mean that genuinely. And for some people, maybe it does, but I would just say like, so I stopped playing the game. I stopped, like I separated myself from that, that, um, system. I didn't graduate high school. I was uh, diagnosed with a learning disability and I was on medication for it for two years until I finally said, what the fuck am I doing? This makes no sense. They're putting me on one tenth of cocaine. I got to get rid of this. Um, and I got my car repossessed. I was just short of bankruptcy. I've lost six businesses in the past and I just kept going and I just said, I'm going to make it work. So it's, it's easy to look at me as like, yeah, white privileged male. And I am privileged in a lot of ways, but I'm also, I also couldn't get out of bed in the morning because I was so mentally ill at one point and had such a horrible, toxic mindset but I just kept going. And I, I don't know what else to say other than that. Like, yeah, are some people oppressed? Are some vi people victimized? Yes. But just because you're a victim, it is now your responsibility of what do I do with that? And you can either, I would just say of what use is it to sit there and have your story be, I'm a victim. Yeah. I, I think just to add to that, I think, um, especially with the story with your friend, I think the, idea is is like you said if you're in the game and you feel that there's limitations to the game and it's change not the game you're playing change the game change the game i just from my story i got laid off four times before i realized enough is enough like i need to figure out how to make this 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 business work and 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 to me that was the that was the trigger that was the thing for me where i was like okay this game isn't working for me I, i'm trying everything I went to school. I got my university degree. I did all, I played by the book and now I need to figure out, I need to be creative and I need to figure out my path. So for your, for your friend who's trying to work his way through the corporate ladder, I would say that there are ways to win in, in the corporate world. There are 100%. ways to make a very, very great life for yourself in the corporate world. But it sounds like you're not getting what you want out of the game or the industry or the position that you're in. So if you're not getting that and you're asking a successful entrepreneur, now you're starting to question, is it, is it because of my race? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? And now when you get to that moment of starting to question these things, that is a pivotal moment because now you can decide and say, okay, I'm in this corporate world. I believe that because of my race, I am not moving up. I've gotten to a point where there's a ceiling. So now what do you do? Do you continue playing the game and you continue being patient or, do you, or and hope and pray that the upper elites will call you up and bring you to the, to, to the upper echelon of the corporate world? Or do you say, fuck it. And like your friend, build, build a ladder, build your own ladder. And that's what we, that's what all three of us, uh, four of us in this room have done. And that's what I encourage in, in the sense of like, sure, you can continue playing the game, but 
just know that there is so much opportunity, especially for us. I would say we're privileged. We're sitting here and we can talk about these things. We can create businesses. We can express our thoughts. We can express our opinions. You can also build that ladder. You can also sit and figure out how to build that ladder. And you, or you could sit there and say, well, fuck, like I, I, I can't do anything about my situation and, and, and just leave that limitation in your mind. Or you could sit and start f- picking up a, picking up the tools and start figuring out how to build. Especially basketball wise, that's been one of the, the best things about basketball is like week after week, you play two games uh, on the weekend. Some, maybe it's a sweep, maybe you lost both, maybe you split. But at the end of each week, instead of riding off the high of a win or riding or like being down on a loss, you're looking at how can I improve for the next week? How can we tweak things? Because you could win and still still do things that maybe didn't fit. But um, even even kind of going back to like I was just thinking about this when you guys were talking about how the victim mindset is so apparent in so many different things. I even remember in high school and the reason why I I think about this maybe or i'm thinking about this a little bit more now is i it got me wondering where these people are and a lot of guys when i was at at ainley used to say yo i heard hoyt's a racist and blah 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 right and he's like i heard he doesn't like brown people and there's a lot of brown guys that tried out for the basketball team that didn't make it that felt like they deserved to make the team and then my my thought process to that was like really i had no idea I i didn't even think of that once but to me it was always like i saw a lot of different talent i I saw a lot of different people i knew that i was shorter i knew that i might not be as strong that i i would have to do more so to me it was like the the mindset of those people and i i used to just like you know you're in high school you just laugh it off you're like haha yeah you know like maybe he might be i don't know i've i've never experienced it but to me it was like i could start seeing those there's more of those people than there was of the people that are like, man, even if I am brown, why don't I, what can I do to get his attention or get him to see me that I am capable? And you guys are really cool examples. You, I've seen the evolution of your basketball game. Like you came, you got to a level that I genuinely wasn't expecting. And I, I like, I don't say that in a bad way. I mean that you exceeded because you do not look like a ball player. I mean, you, you have so many disadvantages look at your body you are not the epitome of who's going to be successful in basketball yet you crushed it you are not the epitome of someone looking at you and be like oh yeah that guy can rhyme like you know what i mean like (laughs) you're you're not man but yet i listen to your shit and i'm like yo that's fucking good you as a fighter you and your brother too like you guys aren't the epitome of who would make it in fighting but yet you've had a level of success there like i think you guys exemplify how you can look at your weaknesses and say, oh, I don't control this. I'm a victim. There's no way I can get to this height. But you guys didn't let that stop you. And as cheesy and coachy as it sounds, you guys didn't let that get in the way. And I think we live in a generation where way too many people get a pass to say, oh, I'm just, I'm not that person. I can't get to these heights because of X, Y, Z. And it's like, how about you switch your perspective to, I'm going to get even more hungry about getting to that height because watch me and watch me prove you wrong. And, and that's the attitude more people need. You know, you know what made that shift is like, that's what I started asking myself is like, okay, well, if someone's listening to this and they're wondering, well, what do I then need to do to sit in your guys' shoes right now to say I'm making that much more money climbing my own ladder? And 
when I think about that, Kayla, it's like, number one, you have to figure out what am I good at? What's my skill? Like, what's what's my thing that even my friends say, like, oh, yo, you know how to play ball or like, yo, man, like you shoot videos well. It's like, okay, well, now number two, can I teach it to somebody? Like, am I this good at it that I could go to you and be like, yo, Kayla, come here. Let me show you this, this arm bar. Let me break down the steps so someone like you who's never seen it can understand it. And then number three, sales. Like that, that I think it's ridiculous that like there isn't even a subject in school for kids even as earlier on in junior high. I hope there is now. Maybe like, I'm not, I don't know, but it's like sales. You need to learn how to sell. You need to have the confidence to go to someone and be like, do you like this? You do? Great. Um, it'll cost $199. Let's do this. Right? And, and just getting someone to understand the value of learning that thing that they want to learn. Those three things. I'm going to keep it that simple. If you can figure that out, quit your fucking job tomorrow. Like, yeah. you know, if you feel like what you're currently doing is not making you what you need, sit down on the drawing board and then determine, okay, how many people do I now need as my clientele? And now search for it. I agree with the sales thing. Uh, we're all selling right now. You don't even have to pitch at the end. It's just, we are selling right now. Everything is sales. If you develop skills, so 18 to 25, develop a skill that's highly sought after and solve a difficult problem. Elon Musk says we get paid in direct proportion to the difficulties of the problems we solve. Solve a difficult problem in the market for a particular market, have skills that will help you solve that problem, attach a price tag to it, go create a shit ton of content until you get really good at it and watch your fucking bank account grow. I want to add to this uh, is sort of analogy. It's a, a business analogy, but there's a there's a man who's walking on, on, on a residential street, and uh, he sees a, a dog and his owner on the porch of of their house, and as he's walking by, the dog is whining, and it's like whining. It sounds like it's in pain, so he goes up to the owner and he's like, "Your dog's whining. He's it sounds like he's uncomfortable. Is is everything okay?" And he's like, yeah, he's fine. He's just sitting on a nail. And then he's like, well, why doesn't he, why doesn't the dog just get up off the nail and sit on the other uh, other side of the porch? He's like, it, it's too painful for him to get off the nail. In fact, it's more comfortable for him to sit wow. on the nail. Powerful. So he just he would just rather sit and whine about it. So the business analogy is, you could sit on the nail of your <laughs> your victim mindset. You could sit on the nail of my, your crutches. Or you could get off the nail. It's going to be painful, but in the end, it's going to be better for you. And that's why that dog can't afford a house. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, that's a powerful. Bars, that, that is a powerful. That's a powerful analogy, man. Dude, I'm going to use that because that to me is collectively what's going on in society. Is it is way easier to just fall in line and just join the herd than to break out and go against the grain. And if you want to win, you got to question everything. You got to show up differently. You got to behave differently. And because we've been lied to a lot and most people are indoctrinated into that and stepping outside of that is, is tough. Even your guys transition into the podcast of being open to talking about these pod, these uh, topics couldn't have been easy. Right. But you see that like, well, we want to talk about these topics. Like this is like what, what, what's core to us. We'd have these conversations if the mics weren't on. So why don't we have them with the mics on? It'll be more authentic for us. And yeah, we're going to get people who dislike it and hate us, but cool. That in which should be destroyed by, or can be destroyed by the truth should be. And then you're going to win on this podcast a lot more too, because a lot of people aren't willing to step into that territory.
I don't know about you, but like the more I looked internally, the more I realized a lot more about the world and how it functions, especially when I got more into investing and seeing how I can position myself in the next 10, 20 years. And uh, even to kind of talk about like, say the world economic form, their 2030 plan of uh, you own nothing, you have no privacy and you're happy. The great reset. The great reset. So things things like that how how do you kind of approach um like life moving forward if these are the predictive programming messaging that we're getting and they're trying to shift things to that do you feel like it's going to get there and do you feel like like personally this is why i think the people with the fixed mindset and growth mindset are going to be the separators either if you find a way if if uh housing is 88,000 and shifts 100,000 the people who are thinking growth are still going to be able to figure it out, whether it be a million. I'm sure they'll still be able to somehow figure it out. It might be harder. But um, with how it's going, like um, e- even what they said, and this one was really funny to me, is they said the, the biggest threat to us in the next upcoming years misinformation. is disinformation. disinformation yeah. yeah. So to me, it's crazy because like, I don't buy it from the people who are talking about disinformation and um, even even recently like Trudeau was getting called out for the truckers and being able to seize their accounts and do things unlawfully that didn't abide by Canadian law even the people who are in power how can we have it how can we have it that disinformation is coming from them yet we're the ones and like how you kind of talked back to for your safety I think that, uh, number one, you do have to stay informed. I would say that for everyone listening, if you don't know what Karam was just talking about in terms of the WEF, the Great Reset, if you don't know about how they just deemed it unlawful and illegal that Trudeau and his government evoked the Emergencies Act during the truck uh, trucker convoy in Canada, like if you don't know these things, it's time with the world and the climate that it's in and the position that we're in it is time to get informed like it's time to read on these things understand these things because maybe pre-covid we didn't have to because the world was pretty stable in in you know relative terms and now it's very volatile so stay informed number one Number two, I think you, again, you got to focus on what you can control. So voting is really important. Maybe you do write your MP. Maybe you do, um, you know, speak up at the dinner table and push back on Auntie Sally when she thinks that, you know, that, you know, Trudeau should have a, another 87th term or whatever term he's in, you know, like maybe push back on those things. But then I believe that if you think that the World Economic Forum is your greatest barrier towards winning in your life, I think you've already lost. So it's important that we also maintain perspective. And look, could the WEF enforce and execute their agenda? And maybe we all live in 15-minute cities and there's social credit score systems and you're being told that you can't buy any more steak because you've you've met your quota for the week because of climate change. You know, like maybe it could get there, but do you want to know who's not going to be a victim in that case? People who've created wealth. And I don't just mean financial wealth. I mean financial wealth, but I also mean wealth physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. 
So work on yourself. The greatest contribution you can have to the world and to your highest quality of life and to your families and your community is to work on yourself and to win. So yeah, you got to do some things. You got to inform yourself. You got to vote. You got to take care of some things there. Push back, say no to the WEF and all that stuff, but make no mistake about it. You just got to go out and win. Over COVID, people who are wealthy and not even like the Elon Musks and stuff, but just people who are financially free, they went wherever they wanted. If they couldn't fly out of the country because they decided to not, you know, take the vaccine, they just got on a chartered plane or a private jet, right? Uh, so money solves a lot. M money equals freedom in today's world. And I I'm afraid for people who don't have financial freedom if it gets to that point where we have all of these agendas that are being executed. Well said, brother. Well said. Um, just wanted to uh, take this moment, man. I appreciate you for coming on. I know you, <laughs> like like a lot of us, are doing a million things in different places. So um, thanks for the conversation, man. Thanks for being here. Uh, can you let people know how they can find you, um, what you're up to right now, maybe plug in at this moment, you know, where people can find you, your, the things that you're working on, all that, all that jazz. Yeah. Like, uh, first off, um, there's nothing more important. Yeah. I'm doing a million things. Most of them are just self-inflicted projects that I've taken on. But at the end of the day, like there's literally nothing I live for more than these kind of conversations. And, uh, so like when you asked me to come, I'm like, yeah, a hundred percent. I actually was going to leave for Kelowna this morning and I changed my flight because like, there's literally nothing that is executing my mission more than having conversations like these. And thank you for, I'll be honest, I wouldn't say I was that surprised, but I was like, huh, they want to have me on the show. I like, I didn't know where you guys were at and what you wanted to facilitate. And I'm just like, so stoked that you guys wanted to facilitate a conversation like this with these kinds of topics. I think it's so important. Um, so yeah, like check me out on Instagram, the Kaler bets, um, not for the, uh, offendable. That's for sure. Not for the easily triggered. Um, but no, nah, man. And, or you could follow the podcast, uh, awaken winning on, on all platforms. If you want to hear me talk more about stuff like this. Love that. Any, uh, final thoughts, Kenny? Crow? Oh man. I just want to say, yeah, like, I think that's, that's really, really cool of you, man, to just be willing to come on and change your flight. Like that speaks volumes of, you know, you willing to just speak your truth and, and, and connect with us. Cause you know, for like, let's face it, this is something that you could have totally been like, oh man, like. We'll, we'll do it when I'm back in town, you know, so it just shows like authentically, man, how much you, you do care about these topics, yep. you know, so everything you're doing is dope, man. Thank I you, appreciate man. it. Really appreciate it. Likewise, I got to say, uh, it's been fun watching the evolution of Kaler Betts, to be honest, because we've, I've seen you go through different phases, including the party phase, which was maybe a little bit earlier for, for some people, but, um, it's been very refreshing to see and like, like I said, like we've talked before, I don't have to agree with everything that you say, but I think you're a net positive for a lot of, for the world. And I think, um, I think you're, you're also fighting for the good guys. So I appreciate what you're doing and continue doing what you're doing, continue speaking the truth and we'll be happy to have you on again. Stay winning, baby. Stay winning. Always, man. And awake. <laughs> and awake. <laughs> All right, y'all. Appreciate that. That's another episode on the Second Floor Podcast. If you enjoy these topics, uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're growing, man. Weekly videos, uh, weekly topics. 
spicy topics uh, with uh, with us. So uh, stay tuned and uh, appreciate y'all. Let's go. That's a wrap. Is.